Hey guys, I'm Nick here with Tanner and Zach, and thanks for tuning into the Voyager Way, a podcast dedicated to sharing our passion for everything outdoors with listeners just like you. Whether it's talking about incredible trips we've been on, teaching you the best way to get your own adventure started, or talking with amazing guests about the incredible things they've done or places they've been. You can find it all here on the Voyager Way. All right, what's good, everybody? Uh, it's Nick here with Zach and Tanner um, here on the Voyager Way podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how to get into fishing. So we already did a how-to uh, podcast on camping. Hopefully, that had some value and you guys were able to get something from that. Um, but today, we're going to go through how to kind of get into fishing, which I was kind of thinking on the way here because I was listening to the podcast, the how-to camping podcast on the way up here. And like camping is a lot bigger topic than just fishing, I feel like. Like there's a lot more ways that you could get into camping kind of stuff. And the fishing is a little more specific with kind of stuff that we're doing. So, but yeah, so I guess, um, kind of the value we hope you guys get out of this podcast is, um, kind of no matter how experienced of a fisherman you are, uh, just kind of help people who either have never been fishing, gain the confidence to get into it for the first time. If you're looking to, or for people who are more experienced, just kind of maybe our unique take on fishing might be, uh, hopefully interesting to listen to. So, um, and just a little disclaimer with these how-to podcasts, we know that these topics are a lot more involved than like we're willing to put the time or like, you don't want to sit here and listen to a five hour podcast on like how to get into fishing. So we know that a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about is pretty like broad and, um, there's a lot more stuff that we could go into, but just kind of just to give you the most bang for your buck, we're going to keep it relatively, um, hopefully brief and broad just so you can kind of get. Uh, and then like you were talking about those how-to videos that we've been posting on the social media, uh, those will help too for like more specific stuff. Yeah. We're, we're creating a big, stuff. yeah, a big kind of, um, platform just to hopefully have all this kind of stuff in one central location so you can get at it. Um, even if you are just driving in the car right now, listen to this and you want it a little bit better. I would say to go off of that, the best thing that for those platforms for us that could happen is just people interacting, right? 100%. Commenting, yeah. asking questions. Even if it's some of our buddies just putting some jokes in there like Austin did on that one picture. Yeah, I saw, I saw that. But yeah, just interact, comment, ask some questions. And I think we should probably clarify that. What we're going to be talking about is kind of our experiences and what we kind of know, which is basically if you like split the U.S. horizontally and then north of that, fishing those types of fish in yeah. those kinds of areas, we don't necessarily have the knowledge for saltwater ocean fishing so we're going to kind of keep it uh to what we know and also we've been doing it for a while but we by no means don't know everything and we're still perfecting it and yeah. trying to figure out things as we um kind of go on so take Which is it like most of the fun too yeah it's like exactly. not really know exactly what you're doing but figuring out as you go yeah. yeah so um so yeah so hopefully you guys are able to at least get started with it and kind of um learn from how we kind of learned from it as well Cool. Yeah. And so kind of going off of that, there's two, the two kind of main categories I put like the different fishing you can do in is at least like up in this Northern part is uh, winter fishing and like kind of the rest of it. So summer, fall and spring fishing. So either with, if there's ice on the water or not ice, and we'll talk about ice fishing in a later podcast when it's maybe more relevant. Um, yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah. What's more relevant. Um, and then we can put up some videos and that kind of stuff about it too, while we're doing, while we're doing it. But so the, the stuff that we're going to talk about talk about today is like the spring fall summer fishing um and the three kind of main categories that we have under there is the casting jigging and trolling so for those of you not familiar 
the casting is when you're kind of throwing the lure out into the water. Um, and it's usually in relatively shallow water compared to the other two. Uh, then there's jigging, which is just kind of dropping your lure to the bottom of the water until it sits kind of right above the bottom. Um, and you just kind of bounce it up and down to mimic like the bait and get the fish's attention. So that's why it's called jigging. Cause you're kind of air quotes, jigging it up and down to get their attention. Um, and then we'll talk about kind of bobber fishing with that. Cause they're, they're a little bit related and uh, pretty similar. And then trolling is the last one. And that's where you just put your lure in the water and then you just either, drive the boat forward or paddle the canoe forward. And that kind of forward motion of whatever vehicle that you're in, um, causes the lure to, to dive deeper into the water. So that's more for like in the bigger, like, I think people do that in the ocean a lot in the bigger lakes and stuff. That's for if yeah. it's deep enough where you're going to get kind of down there to the Tatankas as we call them, the big ones. Um, so as far as like getting a license for fishing, um, and this is all Minnesota based, you can just go online and just type in like, what do you think? DNR, like fishing in my state? What, what do you think you yeah, type in? Yeah, like Wisconsin, Department of Natural Resource Fishing Regulation. Or if you just do like North Dakota fishing regulations or type the state and then do fishing regulations and it'll give you, it'll bring, probably bring you to their DNR kind of website and it'll have all the information you need as far as kind of getting started, getting the right license. And even if you just go to like a gas station or somewhere yeah. that you know sells licenses and just say, I want to do this, you'll be able to get you what license you need. And when we talk about like the gear and stuff later on, like even just going to Fleet Farm or something, you can get your gear and knock out the license all in one trip. Yeah, a lot of those outdoor stores have that available. Yeah, cool. Okay, so as far as a license goes, in Minnesota, you do need a license if you're um, older than 16. And you you can, there's a bunch of different licenses you can buy, but you could just buy an annual license that allows you to fish like the whole year. but if you're only going to fish like a weekend or two, then there are lower cost licenses that are available. Uh, let's see. It says there's no added cost to fish for trout, salmon, or sturgeon. Um, that's kind of Minnesota specific. Um, you they, don't. They, it said there's no added cost for trout. You nope. need a trout stamp. Yeah, I was going to say you need there's a trout no, stamp. Oh, there is an added cost. Yeah, so, yeah okay. I was going to say there is an added cost for that kind of stuff. Uh, and they say in most cases, Minnesota's Minnesotans don't need a license if if you're fishing in a state park, which I did not know beforehand. I didn't know that either. Uh, yeah, so if you're in a state park, I guess you don't need don't need a license. Um, let's see. When can I fish? Uh, you can fish in the spring, summer, fall, and winter, any day of the year. Um, you just have to kind of look at the kind of fish you're trying to catch. As long as it can be legally caught on the day you're fishing, then that's kind of all that matters. Um, that makes sense. You can you can yeah. fish any day of the year if the kind of fish you're trying to catch can be legally caught. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, what can I catch? That kind of depends on the year. So um, the panfish that we're going to talk about when you kind of get into bobber fishing, it's like the crappie. Let's see. It has catfish in there, sunfish, perch, um, and bullhead. You can catch those any time of the year. Uh, Fish fish such as walleye, northern pike, and bass, which are commonly called game fish. Um, It can only be caught during certain times of the year. Um, And then those time periods uh, vary depending on where you're fishing. All that stuff is online. Let's see here. Um, and certain, this says like certain lakes, rivers, or streams might have specific regulations. You just have to kind of make sure where you're going. Um, you're good to go. Let's see. And if you're fishing for trout, check out the trout fishing regulations. So did you guys check out a lot of kind of stuff before you went or? Yeah. Yeah. Trout is more of a, uh, pristine and it's a little bit, um, harder to come by in Minnesota for catching. And so I think fish like those have a little bit more regulations to it just so they make sure that people aren't over harvesting or, um, degrading their environments or yeah okay that that makes sense 
Um, where can I fish? You can fish on lakes, rivers, and streams, uh, to get to a fishing area. Don't cross private property without permission. That's just kind of goals for everything. Um, some areas may have fishing and access restrictions posted. Uh, again, you can find all that kind of stuff. It says use the DNR lake finder to find specific regulations for that kind of stuff. Um, and then, yeah, we won't go into kind of what if I catch a fish? Oh, I guess. Yeah, it says. So if you're going to keep them, this is kind of getting a little bit further down, but if you get to a point where you want to keep fish and like cook them and that kind of stuff, um, then you, there is a limit for either. So there's a slot of fish that you can keep. So that's like how, um, how long they are. So there's a slot that you can keep them or not keep them. Um, and then there's also a limit to how many you can have. And this, this makes a point to say, like if you, if you're fishing and you, you caught some like yesterday and you have some in the fridge or freezer, those count as fish in your possession. Really? Yeah. yeah. Which some people might not know that have been fishing. So like, let's say the DNR comes and this, that this actually happens. This uh, pertains to us at, at Nipawa because if we have fish back in the cooler or back in the fridge, that we caught the previous days. And the, if the DNR wants to go see all that kind of stuff that could put us over the, that can put you yeah. over the limit. So it's all the stuff that's in your possession. Yeah. So there's like a daily limit and a possession limit. So you need to make sure what you have in your possession doesn't go over that. Yeah. Which all that kind of stuff can be again, found online. So that was just, okay. Sorry. That was just a quick kind of just cover all the legal aspects of that kind of stuff. Um, so now we're going to kind of go into, I guess the three most common lures that people use for those different lures, I guess. Well, yeah. 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 Lures. Yep. Um, that people use for like the casting, jigging, and trolling. Okay. Why were you so confused about that? <laughs> no, I was just, I thought he, I was, I thought he was going a different route. I forgot. Okay. Um, so, uh, and you guys can chime in. So the first for casting, the first I put, let's see, one, two, three, five, I put four things down. So, uh, spoons, which are like daredevils. If you guys saw one, a picture of it, you probably recognize it. It's like the red and white, uh, super classic. It's just this big metal, like spoon looking thing with a hook on the end of it. Um, they're, they're really heavy. We, oh gosh, so we go up to, um, Nipah for that fishing trip every year. My, my dad, he fishes, this is probably the only time he fishes a year. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Tanner and I's dad, the only time he fishes the whole year is on this trip. Um, and he enjoys doing it, but he's more there for like to be with everybody than he is for the actual fishing, but he goes up there and he enjoys it while he's up there. And his kind of funny thing is he does, he's not as concerned about what's going to work and what's not going to work. It's more about like what he enjoys using, which is. I mean, and he wants to just catch a big fish. Yeah. So he throws on these, these giant spoons and kind of the running joke is every time we're up there, no matter like it happens at least once or twice during the trip as he'll be chuck, he'll be casting these giant spoons out into the water. And at some point his line will break and this spoon will just go like a hundred yards into the water and just be gone. Just like float, <laughs> just flop in the water and see you later. That was, it all started from the first year he got, he found those spoons uh, I think it was that flea farm or whatever. He like he sees them and he's like, okay, I like yeah, I want one of these. They're just massive spoons. So he buys like two or three of them. And I was with them that first night and first time using them. First night we get up there, first time fishing, ties it all on, super excited. First cast, chucks it, forgets to open the bale. So the line ting. just has to ting and you just see the thing fly Spoon's like a hundred feet. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if you've been fishing before, you know how tedious it can be to tie on those yeah. lures. Cause I mean, the eyelids are really small and the, the line is see-through. So it can be hard to kind yeah. of see where you're tying sometimes. And Especially, yeah, matchman might have a little bit of trouble with that. So oh, it's uh, funny though. Yeah. Um, so spoons uh, and then rapples. I, I think everybody's probably pretty familiar with that. That's just, that's just a brand. 
obviously they're what are they actually called like a swim bait no right. not swim bait I think people just refer to them uh, as rattlers. Yeah, so it's like it's like the plastic ones. Crankbaits. Yeah, crankbaits. Yeah, I think that's what it is. They're they're very like light. They're meant to be super lifelike and like mimic the fish, and they have but they have a bunch of hooks on them. Um, you can buy ones that go shallow or deep. Uh, it kind of depends on the the little plastic like bill or spoon on the front of them is where you attach the line, and depending on how big that is, it depends. That will tell you how deep that the rapple is going to go. So if it's super small, then it's not going to go very deep when you're reeling it in. But if it's super big, those are the ones that people put on for like trolling. Like they'll get way deeper into the water. And if you look at the boxes when you buy them, it'll say like, oh, so it goes feet. like around yeah. like three yeah, to okay, six cool, feet cool. or ten to fifteen, or yep. whatever. Um. So then, and so the spoon and the rapala, those are more meant for weedless kind of areas. And like, if you if you get pretty good about like you can cast it in because a lot of the fish like to hang out in the weeds, like the weed areas, but you have to be careful when you're casting those those lures with a bunch of hooks on them um, in those areas just to make sure you're not just like catching weeds the whole time. So these next two are ones that you can use. Like they're a little more – you're a lot less likely to catch weeds on these, and they're almost built kind of for that. So you can get really in there and see if you can get, get some of the fish that are hiding in those in those spots. But the first one is a spinnerbait, um, which like, I don't even really know how to describe a spinnerbait. It's got a little skirt on like right next to the hook. And so that makes it so like the weeds don't hit it. Yeah, it's kind of like a two-part thing in one where it has this fish-looking item on the bottom with the hook on it. And yep. then above it, there's a piece of wire that has these like reflective metal spoons, I guess you could say, that are there to kind of attract the yeah, attention okay. of the fish. But they're um, a little more weedless, and, so they're, and they're a little more forgiving. So you can, you can kind of cast those not wherever you want, but pretty close to wherever yeah. you want and you'll be okay. And they're a little more versatile too. I'd say like, like you were talking about the spoons and rapalas and just to like summarize that up there kind of more meant for Northern or musky, like in those open areas. Um, whereas a spinnerbait, you can, like you said, go into the weeds and in the shoreline and you can catch bass and Northern, um, walleye even maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. Okay. So spinnerbaits and then, uh, top waters, I know these are maybe Tanner's favorite. Yeah. They're just, sure. so the top water is exactly what it sounds like. It's, it's usually, well, it's either like some sort of rapala or spinnerbait kind of thing that is meant to stay on the top of the water. Or it's like, in some cases there are these little plastic, they like look like frogs or they mimic like just different things that would sit on the top of the water. What other, like there's some that look like rats or whatever, but yeah. they're just full of air. So they don't, they don't sink. And you just kind of drag them right at the top. And the reason that these are so fun is because the fish, like if you're, if you have a rapala, right. And you're reeling it in, it's like, it's three feet under the water. You can't, sometimes you can see the fish grab it, but a lot of the times you can't really see, you just feel it hit. But with these top waters, sometimes the fish just come out and they like attack this thing with a vengeance and they'll jump out of the water trying to grab it. And, um, sometimes it's two feet away from the boat. Yeah, they're just say, about yeah. to lift it out of the water and then they'll jump yeah. up at it. One, one of the pranks that I don't know if, Mitchell does it to Tanner, Tanner does it to Mitchell, or just, it doesn't really matter, but like anybody is, you'll bring the, sometimes it's scary, these big fish come out, like if, if your lure is right next to the boat and these big fish come and grab this thing, it can be a little bit scary because they're coming out of nowhere and they look like whatever. Um, but sometimes you can, if you're reeling it right next to somebody next to the boat, you can kind of like slowly reel it right next to them to see if they're going to come up and jump at it um, right in front of them. But okay, so that's, that's kind of the casting stuff. Um, those those four things: the spoons, rapalas, spinnerbaits, and topwaters. I'll just say for like talking about where to cast. Oh, yep, yep. Like 
depending on what fish you want to catch, but mainly going by the shoreline. Like you're not just going to go into the middle of the lake and just start casting. Like that's when we talk about jigging. Like casting is mainly meant for like shoreline, bays. So when you have, what am I trying to say? Land, not land, but like structure. Structure, yeah. Yeah, structure. Like so if there's like, a down tree in the water, or yeah. There's you see rocks. a down tree, like rocks in there, yeah, or anything like that. Would, Any structure, weeds. Yeah, when you get to fish bigger than panfish, so fish bigger than like sunfish, perch, crappies, those kinds of things. A lot of times they're hanging out in or like under structure, kind of waiting for smaller fish or other aquatic. Um, just stuff stuff to yeah. kind of like swim by so that they can kind of pounce out at it yeah so if you think of like if you're looking at a shoreline if you see like nick said fallen trees in the water logs or if you see like a, a big thing of weeds casting like along the edges of those where they're kind of sitting in there waiting to kind of swim out and get stuff that's swimming by um, or even like um, big rocks like casting in like the the little pockets that they're hiding in along yeah. those lily pads Really yeah. yeah, which is good when you get some of the, those weedless lures on there. It's it's nice to kind of give a little more forgiveness when you're casting like that close to that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then also if there's like an area where it's it's somewhat shallow and then it kind of goes into a deeper part, but there's structure in that shallower part. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking of like maybe a rocky shore where there's maybe some weeds and then probably 20 feet out or 20 yards out from the shore kind of starts dropping down. They can kind of hang out in those areas so that they kind of have the freedom to go between the deep areas. Yeah, and they the, tend to like the, the big structure. ones. Tend to like that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. Okay, so that's that covers casting pretty well. Um, now I'll talk about jigging, and that includes kind of bobber fishing as well. So, bobber fishing, I guess, would be. I don't know if it's the most like. What am I trying to say? Like stereotypical, maybe that you would think about. It's literally just. It's this. If people don't know what a bobber is. It's it's this. They're made out of foam yeah. typically. Yeah. Or plastic or something it's filled with air and it doesn't sink. Um, and you can get big bobbers or small bobbers depending on what kind of fish you're, you're fishing for, like size wise. But you just, you clip it onto your line, somehow attach it to your line. And then you have like your lure or whatever at the end of it. And then if, a, so your bobber just sits at the top of the water while your lure is underneath the water. And if something, if a fish would grab the lure, then it would pull the bobber down. So that's why you can, you can just throw this bobber into the water and then you can just kind of look at it and just kind of hang out. It's, it's a little more passive form of uh, fishing for sure. Um, but then you would know for sure if you had a fish because the bo- it's going to take the bobber underwater. Um, it's great if you're sitting on like a dock or if you have like kids or people who mm-hmm. need more of that visual way of seeing if there's a fish biting it. That's a great way. And if you're just getting into fishing, I would recommend probably just starting off with that because you get to kind of see how the fish work with biting the hook and all yeah, of that kind of stuff. And you typically sure. do it in shallower water. So you can kind of watch things happen too. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of gets us to jigging, which is a little more, it's kind of like the next stage of um, like using a bobber almost it's. And so this is usually in deeper water and you're either sitting off the dock or off a boat and you, you drop your lure and usually you just use a jig head, which is just like a, it's almost like a weighted, it's like a, a, a round metal weight that's painted like a has like it's usually painted a color with a couple like eyes on it um, and then just a hook and then you can tie and then you just hook on either live bait or they're called like soft bait so it's either like live bait like worms leeches or minnows or you can buy it they call it, they're called like soft baits which are just like they're just plastic pieces that are meant to mimic like the live stuff so you can get there's a million different kinds of worms and 
all that kind of stuff that you can buy um, just in those packages. Maybe just the best one. I mean, the one that we usually typically use, soft bait, is just the white Mr. Twisty Tails. I don't know if that's common other places, but like definitely northern Minnesota and like Canada, that's, I don't know what works best for walleye, would you say? Yeah, it's just a two or three inch little worm yeah, looking thing. Yeah, that. I feel like a lot of people use those. Something to also keep in mind as far as like regulation side of things is some places around the country or in Canada, like some areas you can't use fake bait or some places you can't use live bait. So you oh, have to kind of... okay. And, and you also are not supposed to like bring live bait from one place, bring it to another so oh, that they get you. put in those lakes. Yep. So be mindful of that if you're using live bait. Um, it's probably just better to buy it. If you buy it local, like kind of around the area that you're going to go, it might be, yeah, that's the you're best. probably pretty yeah. safe. Yeah. Which it might, that, it might actually work better, honestly, than if you're going to, I mean, it might not matter. I might just be They're blowing smoke. But, that type of leech. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that. So that's jigging. Let's see here. Anything else? Oh, I think we can go a little bit more into jigging. Um, I was going to say like trying to find like certain spots in oh, the lake. Yeah. Right. So like our uncle who, um, that we go up to our cabin in Bemidji with the, I mean, we have two uncles who are pretty deep into fishing. One's a guide kind of, one's just a super outdoorsy guy, but they have like getting into it way more than obviously the casual fisher they have the gps and all the spots in the lake that are good for jigging and stuff but pretty much what you're looking for is just a drop off yep. kind of in the lake or like a hole or something where the fish might sit and it kind of changes depending on the time of day i feel like and the day where they're where they are but like finding that drop off of like maybe 10 to 15 feet going down to like 20 to 25 feet and finding that structure of rock and then just jigging around that edge. Yeah. So some, some like you can buy things that show you if there's fish down there or not. Um, otherwise, yeah. If you just kind of can, how, how else would you tell if you didn't have one of those? I like would say, point? so use, if you have like topographic maps yeah, of lakes, those oh. help a lot because yep. you can see where like the structure is. So it'll tell you. It's basically a map that has all these lines on it, and each line will tell you like what the depth is in that place. Okay. So closer to shore, it'll probably say like five feet or whatever, and yep. then it'll go 10, 20, 30, keeps going, however deep the lake is. Um, and so if you can find, or if like you're on a lake with a point that kind of points out into the lake, yep. and then it kind of drops off from there, like fishing those points. Fish are very uh, typically go off of structure, so finding those um, landmarks and structures to fish off of or if you see like a point that goes out and it drops down but then in a little ways it kind of comes back up and there's like a rock pile kind of thing yeah. fishing those little like those saddles you could kind of mines, call it yeah yep. or those rock piles that are um, where the land kind of comes up and maybe it's 15 feet of water or whatever um, walleyes and different stuff like that will sit on those rock piles and kind of feed bass. <laughs> and i would for sure say like time of day matters a lot i know we were just set up at our cabin last weekend or a couple weekends ago. And, uh, I was talking to one of our uncles and he just, he was just saying how like they went out at 6 PM and like from six to seven, they didn't catch anything. And they were in like the same spot. And then as soon as like 7 PM hit, they, it just was a frenzy and they caught like and they didn't a move bunch spots. of, no, they didn't move spots. They just caught like a bunch of fish. So like now, like you can even see all the boats at like 7 p.m. They just like all go out and they're yeah. going to these spots because they just know that like that's when it, they start to hit. 
So like getting a feel for that, like maybe even watching other boats go out or like for sure going out in the morning and then at night, like trying to avoid midday. Yeah. Uh, just a little stuff a like pretty that. good rule of thumb is early in the morning and later at night. Yeah. Especially right. for jigging. I feel like that matters a lot yeah. more. And so the jigging is kind of a little more of an art form than like the casting because the casting is a little more freedom. It's like you can, you can throw your line wherever yeah. you're at as long as you can kind of whatever. If it's within 20 feet, 20 yards, however far you can throw it. But the jigging, especially since you can't see usually where you're jigging at, like you don't know if there's fish on there or sometimes you do or you don't. It's a little bit more of an art form kind of finding where the fish like to hang out. Um, I guess then the third one well, is... One more thing. Actually, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I What's just up? wanted to t- touch on is... So even if you, cause like, like you said, jigging is a little more of an art form. If you really wanted to get into it, like for like a month or two or something, like I was going to talk about how, when we went to go, uh, trout fishing for steelhead, yeah, we just got a guide for like a couple hours. The first time we went out just to like know what spots and like what bait to use and what to look for just to like teach us so like it was kind of expensive but we only did it for a couple hours and so we could learn and then we could go out by ourselves using the right bait like using the right style and that helped a ton so like even if you just wanted to go out with a guide if you know you're going to be fishing on this one lake for a while like go out right away with a guide he can kind of show you what bait's good for that lake like what spots are good and then you can go off of that and that'd probably help a lot i know it did for us for sure that's a good idea one thing i guess to say about uh, i was just thinking of kind of like lure placement when you're jigging so if you find a spot you've kind of looked at a map or you have a depth finder or something that can kind of show you where the fish may be and you kind of find your spot what i'd recommend doing then is you have your jig or whatever you plan on jigging with and just open up your your reel and let the line go all the way down you'll be able to see your line continuously go down when it hits the bottom the line will stop moving and it'll just kind of be floating on top of the water there. Yep. So then what you want to do is um, start reeling it up slowly so that the you get the tension back and then reel it up like maybe one or two feet. Uh, it probably wouldn't go more than like six feet off the surface by any means. Yeah. But like keeping it close to the bottom. So what you kind of want to be doing is kind of bouncing it off the bottom to look like fish or crayfish or minnows those kinds of things that are going to be hanging out on the bottom where the fish will be kind of cruising and see those kind of coming out of the rocks and or whatever the structure is so it's kind of a good rule of thumb to find the bottom and kind of where you should have your lure when you're jigging yeah nice yeah i like that cool okay so then the third one just really quick it's it's the trolling and i guess i don't have as much experience with trolling as maybe some of you guys do but um it's that that's just where you just drop your, your you drop your lure in it but then you just take the boat or the canoe and you start moving forward and then just the the speed at which you're going just drops the lure down to like closer to the bottom or whatever it's usually meant for bigger fish like a little bit more deep um and you're using those lures that are really big and the line you start usually has to be a little bit heavier just so it doesn't snap with because it's a little bit more pressure on the line but um yeah i don't, I don't know what else i Oh. Go ahead, Tanner. I was going to say, that's how I caught my first and only muskie is trolling oh, on really? a leech. Like, not a big one, like 25 inches, but yeah. still kind of cool. I don't know. Yeah, so I guess with trolling, a few things to keep in mind is depending on what lure you use, that'll kind of... Lure and speed are kind of two main things that I think would affect where your lure will be. Like, if you look at the water from, like, a side view, like, the depth of the lure... So like if you're going um, super slow, your lure is probably going to be sinking closer to the bottom and you'll be fishing deeper. Yep. Um, 
But it also depends, like Tanner was saying, or uh, Nick was saying, with the, the lip on some of those crankbaits yep, and yep. rapalas that determine the depth. Um, those will also um, affect how deep you're fishing. But what you kind of want to look for is, like we had mentioned with like structure and drop-offs, kind of fishing. I would say the one of my favorite places to fish when trolling is like um, trolling along the, like where the drop-off is kind of starting. So oh, like yeah. as it's dropping down, maybe to your left or something, it's five feet and to your right, it's 20 feet. And you're kind of fishing like that, right, like right where it's dropping off Yeah. so that you're kind of catching those fish that are going between the depths and the shallows kind of right yeah. there. Or if you're, if there's like a peninsula where there's structure going out and then kind of fishing the tips of those kinds of things. That's, this is making me want to fish really bad now. Yeah, <laughs> All yeah, of a right. uh, okay, cool. So uh, those are kind of like just the main different kind of fishing i guess um categories that you kind of get in, get into that's the casting the jigging and the trolling um casting is probably gonna be the easiest especially if you don't have a boat or anything like that you can kind of go anywhere and start casting if you can't sit still either that's a good one exactly too. it yeah, kind of fits in with your personalities because if you can't really sit still and you kind of need to be doing stuff casting is definitely the thing you want to do if you're good with just kind of sitting there and patiently waiting jiggings by bobber jigging, that, even trolling too because trolling you're just trolling is like a good hybrid of like yeah. you're doing yeah. stuff but you're not yeah. really doing stuff um cool okay so now the next kind of part we're going to get into is what do you kind of need to get started and this is just kind of the bare bones what you would need just to go out there and start having fun and just kind of learn what you like and don't like and what you're doing wrong and what you're doing right hopefully to get some fish so the first thing is obviously a place to fish so we talked about that a little bit um beforehand about like where you can fish in minnesota it's pretty much State parks, you don't need a license and everywhere else, as long as you have a license, you're, as long as you know what fish you're like that you can legally catch some of the fish that you're going for, then you're fine. Um, but as far as like, once you find a place, you could either go off the dock, you could wade into the water a little bit, just, or it could just stay on shore. If you have a boat or know somebody who has a boat, you could just do that. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of looking up what is legal and okay to do. And, or if you know somebody who has like a private, like private access somewhere that, that also works too. Um, the next thing you obviously need is a rod and a reel. Um, with a lot of this kind of stuff, I feel like you probably know somebody who would be willing to like borrow you like some gear. Just if you're just trying to get into it, I feel like, you know, for sure, like a rod and reel, like there is a very good chance that, you know, somebody who has an extra rod and reel just laying around that they would be happy to lend you. So you don't have to go buy one. And if you don't, for whatever reason, know somebody who would maybe have one, I think, Finding if you would go to like a, a used gear store yeah. or um, like, like a thrift store or something like that, yeah, or like a thrift store or something where you could find one super cheap. Because if, if you don't know if you're gonna like it or just getting into it, you definitely don't want to invest a lot of money into it, yeah. But, and you can get what you need to start off, and I think those are good places to start. We're big fans of like garage th- thrift stores too. and garage shells and that kind yeah. of stuff, just especially when you're getting this camping, a lot of like. Well, that's gear, as long as you take care of it and you kind of know what you're doing, you can find some pretty cheap deals and like st- people getting rid of stuff at either Goodwills or thrift stores or garage shells. Um, Mark, Facebook marketplace is probably another yeah, it's good another place. super, super good one. Yeah. Good call. Um, okay. And then, and then, so I guess if you wanted a little more guidance and you weren't afraid to like, if you had a little bit of extra money to kind of invest into this kind of stuff, you could always go like your, your local sporting goods store. Um, and there's a ton of knowledgeable people like you just walk into, you can just see like the fishing section. If you just walk in there and, and talk to somebody, they'd be happy to help you. Um, one little thing I just wanted to like, talk about like just super quick. And this, this pertains to all of the kind of how to videos. And if you guys are trying to get into this kind of stuff, um, 
is when you when you're going into these these sporting goods stores, maybe if you don't really know that much about what you're trying to get. It's like, if you don't know that much about fishing, but you're trying to get into it and you want to, and so you might feel a little bit intimidated going into these places and asking for help. Um, I think the biggest thing that I've, and I've done this a lot with, I'm trying to get into bow hunting and I knew next to nothing about like what goes on a bow, what I need for it and that kind of stuff. And so I think the biggest thing that would help is when you're going into these stores is just kind of leaving your ego and like pride at the door, like just leave it in the car. Like when you, when you go in there, don't be afraid to ask. And, um, literally what I would do when I go, what I've been doing when I go into these places, I'd, I'd just say like, I've never done this before or I have very little experience, um, but I'm super excited to kind of get started. And I would love it if you could help me find X, Y, or Z. And they're always happy to help. And they're more than happy to get you into it. Um, especially if you're buying stuff from them, they obviously like that. It's a little bit of incentive. Um, one thing that I would recommend not doing, um, or I guess doing beforehand is doing a little bit of research, which this podcast would definitely count as research for like, I would recommend not doing it. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> no, no, oh. yeah, no, definitely do it. But I just, I meant like, don't go into it with, with no idea what you're doing. Like if you walk into the store and say like, Hey, I have no idea what I'm doing or like what I need. Help me. Like, they're going to be like, okay, what? Like you, I, how do I even begin? Like there's, it's such a broad, whatever. Um, they're probably less likely than if you've done a little research, listen to this podcast, watch some videos and said, Hey, like I'm trying to get into this. I know I want to be doing some casting or whatever. Can you help me find a spinner bait and a Rapala and a rod and reel? They're gonna be like, yep, for sure. And then you can kind of get, get into it more. Um, especially then if you do that and you make a list of stuff that, you know, then you'll probably spend less money because you'll walk out of there. Like sometimes if you don't know what you're going in for, then you might walk out of there with stuff that you, that you don't even need. Um, so having a little bit more of a game plan when you're walking in can be super helpful. Um, okay, cool. So that was just a little bit of a tangent. Um, so place the fish rod and reel. Next thing is fishing line. If you're like really just getting started, um, just super briefly on the fishing line, if it's too light, I guess, do you guys prefer heavier or lighter stuff? Like, do you like it heavier? So, you know, it's not going to break or do you like it lighter? So like it might break, but do you have a little more feel? What do you prefer? Kind of middle of the road. Yeah, I think guy. middle of the road. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I guess for most of the stuff, you'll probably be fishing at least like in this northern, like northern part um, of the United States, like the the muskies and the bass and the northern and the walleye. I think your average fishing line anywhere from like six to twelve pounds. Yeah, is pretty good. Yeah. Like six pounds is pretty light, which you get a little more feel. For, with your um, line, if it's lighter, but it's obviously, it's more apt to break. Um, and then 12 pounds, like 12 to 14, that's kind of like the little heavier end. And you wouldn't really want to go crazy more than that. Um, I mean, they make line that's up to like hundred pound test or probably more than that or whatever. If you're getting into like the, the big fish um, in the lakes and the oceans and stuff. But um, yep. So you need some fishing line. And when you go in and grab some, you, you will not need more than a spool. You'll probably get, you can get close to a, like, it's probably one and a half like real fulls of like rod and real fulls of line per spool that you would buy. Right. Is that yeah, pretty? I probably wanted one and yeah, a half two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if one, one spool will be plenty. Um, I don't know much about like the makes or models or whatever that you can buy, but I mean, it's all, you can find something. Yeah. That's, all it's good. Um, and then we'll make, we'll make a video like videos on how to like put the line on and the best, like the best way to do that and, and like knots and stuff in the future. Um, That'll be up on our website in the future. So be looking for that kind of stuff. So, okay. So fishing line, um, oh, I guess we can talk about drag right now too. So on the reels that you have, that you'll get, um, there's, um, and you might have the reels and not even know that this is a thing, but there's this, it's called drag and that is how much resistance 
the reel will give you like for the line. So like, let's so like when you, if you ever watch a video of somebody catching a fish and like you can hear the fish pulling the line out of the reel, that's if you, if your drag is less, it's going to pull the line out of the reel easier than, and if your drag is like cranked up to the max, it's going to be less apt to give out line. Like, yeah. So it's like the tension that it has on the line. Yeah. So if you have like super light, um, fishing line on, you're going to want your drag set pretty light because if your drag is set super heavy and you have light line on, then there's not going to be any give and it's just going to snap right away. If there's any, if any big fish grabs it. Um, but if you have heavier line, then you can kind of get away with a little bit less drag, which you might want. Um, so I, yeah, I guess that's pretty good for drag, right? Yeah. So I think at least what I go off of is like de- kind of depending on what I'm fishing for, I try to get a sense. So I'll set my drag and if, I'll just try to pull the line with my hand out of the reel. And if it's like super hard, I know I have to loosen it up a little bit, but okay. if it's too easy, then I tighten it up a bit. So you should be able to somewhat easily pull it out, but it's not too easy. Gotcha. And then as you're catching fish, um, like if it's a bigger fish and it's starting to kind of run away from you and you feel not as much line coming out, then you can kind of loosen it up as you're reeling it in and vice versa yeah, if you need cool. to. Okay. You know, nice. Or if it's just ripping the line out, then you got to tighten it for yeah, sure. Yeah. I just got to take that risk that it might break the line, but you can't, you're going to run out of fishing line if it takes it too yeah. much. Um, okay, Been cool. Done. So the next thing is lures, um, which we talked about um, beforehand, but you can easily grab like one of each or a couple of each for pretty cheap and just kind of try them out and see what you like. And the cool thing with these, is there's a million different variations, different colors and sizes and that kind of stuff. Um, so let's see. You want to talk about our three favorite? Um, yeah, we could just generally we're Yeah. We're about like 40 minutes. So not, not too bad, but um, yeah. So what are your three are they go to lures? Okay. So like if we're going fishing somewhere and you can only bring three lures, like what three, yes. that kind of what you're going for. And just like, yeah, broad. Like don't get like into like the yeah. white, yeah, five, yeah, 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 yeah. Or whatever. Just like super broad. Okay, I thought about this, so I'm bringing a top water for sure. Okay, just because it's fun. Yeah, just because it's fun. Yeah, I'm bringing a spinner bait because it's versatile, practical. Yep, versatile, catch a lot of fish. And like you said, you can throw it into weeds, so it's kind of less of a hassle. And I'm bringing a rattling wrap. Which, which you said don't get into it a little bit, but it's a type of rapala. And on the inside of the Rapala, there's just like a little, I mean, I guess I've never really seen it, but I'm imagining just like a little bead or like something that rattles inside of it. So it makes a noise as you're... Yeah, I wouldn't say that's too specific. I mean, it's basically like a a lure that looks like a fish. Yeah. And it, it doesn't have a lip or anything. So it's like, depending on how long you wait to reel it in. Like if you just cast it and you didn't start reeling it, it would just keep sinking. Uh-huh. It sinks. Okay. Yep. But if you like cast it, start reeling it right away, it's going to stay more towards the surface. So it's kind of versatile as far as you can control the depth of it a lot easier. And it has that little shake. Yeah. So underwater it creates the vibrations and makes the fish are attracted yeah. to that and cool. the noise of it. You can like when you're casting and reeling it in and you get closer to the boat and you like, pull on it and make it swim really fast. You can hear the rattle from like above the boat. I just think that's pretty cool. And I, they work a lot too. Uh, yeah. A lot of success. Nice. So those are my three. Zach. I would say mine too. The, Ooh. I would say the number. What about swim bait? That was the only one I would maybe yeah. change. Like, well, I, I had some different ones. I was oh, saying like okay. Tanner, the rattling wrap for sure. I think okay. that's the most versatile lure I've used. on um, like most of my trips that probably catches 
a large majority of them. Yep. Um, at least the bigger fish. Okay. Like the walleyes, northerns, trout, yeah. those kinds of things. Rattling wrap. Um, and then I would, I would probably just bring a jig. Okay. So you could go out and do some jigging. <laughs> um, I probably wouldn't use that one as much, but I think just if nice we were, if I was going somewhere to fish and I could only bring three, that would be one of them. Okay. Just yep. in case they're deeper. Yeah. And then um, I would say my, oh, my third one would be. I don't think this is too specific, but a MEPS. Okay. Or, um, okay. A MEPS is like uh, a long, skinny lure. There's a treble hook, so there's the three hooks at the base of it. And then it has this like spoon that spins around it when you're reeling it. It's like the water is pushing this spoon to spin in circles, so yep, it tracks yep. the fish. And it usually has like a little tuft of hair that goes like around the the treble hooks. I don't actually know what they're supposed to mimic. Maybe it's almost like an a... airplane underwater. If you want to think about it like that, with the spoon kind of, yeah, I guess, uh, <laughs> but, but not at all. Yeah. yeah I, think, I think it maybe is supposed to look like a minnow or something. I don't really know what the hair is going for there, but I think those have been very good for me. Yeah, in the yeah, yeah, and, you, and again, you can kind of control the depth, like the faster you reel it, um, the higher it'll be up in the water. If you let it sink, it'll be deeper. Yeah. So I think the only thing, because you want something weedless, right? So I, I think I'd go spinnerbait over top water. So I, you want something weed. So I, I think I'd go spinnerbait. And then instead of a jig, I would bring a swim bait, which is pretty much just like a, it's kind of the same thing, but it's almost like a jig head. And then you have a big plastic, like soft bait on it. So it'll sink wherever you want to. I think that's super versatile. So you could jig with it if you want to, but it's more like casting and then you reel it. Um, I think I think they're super fun. And then... Let's see. What was the third one? Was it maybe a, yeah, just a Rapala, I think like just, there's one in, in one particular we bring a spoon would be a good one. Too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's so many different choices, but I mean, you guys, I guess you guys get, get a pretty good idea of like, like the top three that we would kind of bring and that we use the most. Um, and, and really like a lot of this stuff, like say, like we were talking about my dad using the spoon. It's really just like what you have fun using. Like sometimes like people will, and I guess maybe outdoorsy people are a little more stubborn than others. Like sometimes like you'll just use something not because you catch more fish on it, but just cause you enjoy using it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, what do we got left? Um, just the tech. Okay. So quick tackle box. You don't need one. If you want to invest in it, if you want to spend a little bit extra money, you could, but if you just have like some Tupperware sitting at home, just something you can store these lures in. So you don't like hook stuff while you're transporting them. So you can buy, they're, they're pretty cheap. You can buy like a little plastic box and then a bag for, it if you want, um, or if you don't want to spend that much money, just buy, just throw it in some Tupperware and you're fine. Um, why do you have to go? Or are you good? Well, no, I was just going to say, I think one good fishing story from all of us would be pretty cool oh, to end gosh. the episode here. Um, let's see here. Yeah, we just have one. So one last thing, kind of what to bring when you go fishing. I just want to, just a quick list. Life jacket, if you're going to be in a boat or a canoe or anything like that, if you're on the water, make sure, safety first, bring a life jacket, especially if the um, the... Not the DNR. Yeah. That, yeah. The DNR will come, will come around and make sure you guys are staying safe and have life jackets. Uh, one per person. <coughs> um, uh, your fishing license uh, and then knowing your limit and like bring a ruler if you're going to make sure that if you're going to keep them because they'll, the DNR will, will come around and make sure that like, okay, show me how you're measuring these to make sure that they're in the slot of stuff that you should be keeping. Um, players can be very beneficial, especially if like sometimes a fish, you have no idea like how you're going to hook it or like, where are you going to hook it? Um, so sometimes they like swallow your lure and it's like way down the throat. And especially if it's like a walleye or Northern that have teeth, you don't want to grab your hand down there to grab it. So if you have some sort of pliers that you can get in there and get the hook out. Um, 
And let's see. Oh, I guess another, I think Todd like taught me this or like was explaining it to me. Um, which is Zach, <laughs> Zach's uncle at when we were on this Nipah trip. I was always a little bit hesitant and try to be too careful with the fish when I'd get them in the boat, like trying to undo the hook. And then I'd see him when he'd get a fish, he would just kind of like grip and rip and just get the hook out like as fast as he could. And I used to think that that was like worse than the, than the way I was doing it. But the way he explained it is the longer that they're out of the water, try and get the hook out of their mouth, like the worse it is for them. So it'd be, it's better to almost like, obviously like grip and rip is a, a kind of a violent way to put it, but like, it's better to maybe do a little bit more damage, but get the hook out quicker and get them in the water faster than it is like, so if it, if it takes you like 30 seconds or a minute to get the hook out, but you did a little more damage, that's almost better than having it out of the water for five, 10 minutes, just working to get this hook out as carefully and like whatever, and gently as you can. That's almost worse for the fish than if you're just trying to, if you're just getting the hook out kind of as quick as you possibly can. Yeah. A good visual that I learned as far as like, so fish obviously use their gills to breathe. And if you like look at them underwater while they're breathing, their gills are very like opened and kind of spread out because they're using those to breathe. But if you think of like somebody that is swimming in water with really long hair and they're underwater, you'll see that their hair is kind of like floating all over the place. Oh yeah. But then as soon as you get, as soon as that person gets out of the water, their hair just like suctions to them. Uh So if you think of that as like the fish's gills, they're kind of floating and more spread out underwater. But as soon as you take them out of the water, the gills kind of do the same thing as the hair. So that's kind of what makes them have a hard time kind of breathing. I never thought of it like that. And so, so yes, like Nick was saying, the longer that they're out of the water, they're suffocating basically. Yeah. So they kind of need that space for their gills to kind of get back in the water. Yeah. Nice. Okay. And so then the last thing I put is it's optional, but, um, can be quite handy. Kind of like the players is bringing a net just in case you catch a big one or whatever. And this is something that might be tough for you to want to invest in just because you don't know if you're going to like do, I do a lot of fishing and stuff, but for the most, for the most part, you could probably find somebody if they have a rod and reel, the chance that they have a net that you could borrow as well is probably pretty high. And if you're taking notes, might as well write down a camera and rain gear. Oh, very good point yes camera so that people believe you when you say yep. you've got the biggest fish in your life and rain gear just in case you get uh dumped on with a bunch of rain and a little tip for the camera hold the fish out as far as possible for <laughs> yeah. your body have, yes have <laughs> the fish as close to the camera as possible and it makes it look a little bit bigger if your hands look huge in the picture you're doing good <laughs> um and i guess if we're going that far like bring some sort of waterproof, either like a Ziploc baggie or waterproof bag to store your phone and stuff in just in case yeah. you're in the canoe. Like okay, that's how it's getting my old <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, so that's about all we got for like how to get into fishing. And now we'll probably talk about just about a couple, right about 45 minutes. So that's a pretty solid episode. But if you guys want to stick around and um, hear a couple of just fun stories that we have, um, then yeah, we, I mean, we've got a million that we could tell, but we'll keep it. Hopefully not. not I just want to tell one. Yeah. Is it the canoe one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Tell that one. So a long time ago, probably seven, eight years ago. Oh, it had to have been long. This was like when we were really just like first getting into this kind of stuff. I feel like. Yeah. Cause we didn't know anything and we were kind of just probably 10 years ago. Maybe. I remember no, being we were in high school. Were you? Yeah. I feel like we were, I was like an eighth, seventh or eighth grade. I think Mitchell was in high school. Zach's brother. I yeah. Felt, I remember were you guys playing, were you guys maybe playing like travel hockey Because he drove us out there. Yeah. I remember feeling pretty young and like not really, I guess this may have been more before we had had like the 
the longer canoe trip experience. It all like, for sure was. Because I remember feeling before, pretty yeah. like intimidated. But Mitchell like, was like 16 or 17 because he'd draw us out there. Yeah, maybe he was 16 and I was yeah. 14 or whatever. So anyway, Zach, Mitchell, and I, uh, Mitch is Zach's older brother, uh, we decided we wanted to go fishing one day. So we go to this lake out. We won't disclose the name because it's a great fishing yeah. lake. <laughs> and there's no access to it. You have to take a boat. And it's one of our favorites. You have to get a canoe. Yeah, yeah. you can only get there with a canoe. So we drive out there. It's not far from where we live, too, like 20 minutes. So that's pretty nice. Um, we drive out, and we load the canoe in the water. Um, it's aluminum canoe. We took a, a little mini van that we grabbed from my mom. Oh, <laughs> trapped, yeah. Tried to strap a canoe on top of it. Did it have, like, yeah. crossbars on it? I don't know. <laughs> like I said, we were pretty inexperienced yeah. at this yeah. point. We were just kind of, we just wanted to go fishing. So we were like, all right. Which like we're saying, it's kind of half the fun. It's not know what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we put this aluminum canoe out on the lake and we're catching these largemouth bass, what we were going for. And it was pretty fun. I, it, I know Mitchell was screaming at me when I would catch a fish because it would be slapping against the aluminum, <laughs> scaring away the other fish. But we're catching quite a few fish. It's getting towards midday, and uh, we had planned for a little longer excursion, so we had brought some lunch with us. Um, so we were just kind of by shore a little bit, and there's some lily pads and weeds and a bunch of stuff below us. And I think it was Mitchell who had got caught on some weeds, what it appeared to be weeds, and he was on the left side of the boat, and his rod was just like super tension, like he was stuck. So he was kind of pulling on the rod and it was just bringing our canoe closer and closer to the line. Um, and all of a sudden we get right up next to his line and it's like a doo-doo. Like the line just like goes a couple, like, I don't know how to explain it, it but it jerks. Yeah. yeah a couple times. Like if you're stuck on a log or weeds, it doesn't like, doesn't jerk. Yeah. It's just steady. But if you have a big fish, sometimes it'll move and you'll know. So it moves and then all of a sudden, Zach and I get up and we both were like, oh, what was that? We both just run over to the left side and look right over the left side of the canoe as Mitch was looking over. And then one, two, three, we all tip <laughs> with the tackle box open, the food out. No, yeah. So my side of the story, I, I remember sitting, I was in the bower in the front of the canoe. Yep. I think you were in the middle. Tanner, yeah, yeah. And Mitchell was in the back. And what I had done was I had... I had just had a fish on and it had snapped my line. And so I was in the front tying my <laughs> new hook on. So I had my tackle box like open by my feet yeah, and I was looking down, grabbing a lure, like trying to figure out what lure I want to use. Yeah. And in like throughout this process, whatever happened and Tanner and Mitchell looked to their left and I'm looking like down at my feet with the lures and all of a sudden I'm like, turning sideways in the canoe just <laughs> flip sideways as my tackle box is open and oh, I'm like no. switching my lure so I was able to kind of grab my tackle box when we fell I remember because I don't think I really lost anything out of it just luckily. to save something yeah yeah and so <laughs> yeah I just remember like all of a sudden I was in the water I was like what just happened <laughs> your phones are in the water no that tackle. was the best part about it who, who had got a new phone you or Mitchell Mitchell had just got a new phone. <laughs> I had my like very first like flip phone. But, but I just remember we get in the water and you knew like Mitchell had just gotten the new phone. So you were just like, Mitchell, your phone. And then you're like, my phone. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah. And so we had grabbed all of our stuff after this weird moment. And we, we were pretty close to shore. So we kind of swam to an area 
Um, and I remember it was pretty cold. Yeah, and it was warm. We uh, we we got to this like little wooded part, and we started a fire, and we like ended up eating. I think yep. what was left of our lunch, <laughs> kind of drying out, and then we finished fishing or did whatever. Oh, you stayed there and kept fishing. I don't know. We were far away from where we put in, so we probably paddled back and we're fishing a little bit, but. Yeah, that, it was that a lake, long time ago. There's been a lot of good <laughs> stories that come from that lake. I guess one like spinoff because we're talking about the phones in that lake. There's been a few of our friends who have sacrificed some phones in that lake. Oh, ice fishing. Yeah, so uh, we, I won't we won't talk about ice fishing, but I gotta bring up this story. It was really fun. So um, we were out on the same lake doing some ice fishing, and we had brought in. Uh, one of our friends, their dad's ice house, one of those sleds where you fold oh, it out. Okay. Um, and you have a little house to sit in, but there was three of us, and it only sits two people. Uh, and so we had we had still drilled three holes for in there, and we were kind of sitting in a unique way so we could fit everybody in there. And is there a certain distance you're supposed to drill them away from each other, or just no, not really. Okay. Um, but yeah, so we were all crammed into this one little ice house. It was cold out, and it had uh, just gotten dark, so it was pitch black out. This is in the morning or at night? This was at night. Okay. And our friend he. Something had happened, and he had to take out his flashlight from his phone. So he turned on his flashlight, and on the sides of these fish houses, there's little, like, mesh um, pockets. Yep. And he was doing something by his feet with one hand, and he kind of goes to put his phone in this mesh pocket with the light, like, facing out. no, yep. And he sets it there, or he, like, lets go of it, but it's not in the pocket yet. (laughs) And it slides down the side. It was the craziest thing. We were all watching this happen. It's like slid, in slow mo. Yeah, it yeah. slid down the side of the fish house, hit the bottom, and then slid all the way across oh, the bottom no, of the fish house, dude. and then drops into a hole. <laughs> <laughs> and it's floating down with the flashlight facing up. So, you're, oh, so you can see it. You're just watching this this light slowly sink down to the bottom. And we were in probably like eight feet of water. We weren't very deep. Yeah. So you could see this flashlight like shining up at you. How long did it stay on? I don't know. We left and it was still on. No way. Because what the other bummer is like when you're ice fishing, you can really only fish like directly below the hole. Like yeah. you can't get off to the sides or anything. Yeah. And the phone was flat and it was kind of like floating down. And as it was floating down, it kind of floated off to one side. Okay. So we weren't able to like try to get like a lure off to the side. Something maybe, to grab yeah, it. Yeah. We probably, there's no way we were going to hook it anyways. Yeah. <laughs> but we had to at least say we tried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we were trying to do whatever we could to kind of get it, but there was no way we were going to get it. And so, yeah, so the light was facing up and we... We were kind of hoping that maybe a fish would be attracted to the light and kind of nothing happened. No. But, <laughs> um, Swim it up to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> hey, grab that thing. Quick. But yeah, so we uh, we ended up leaving and his flashlight was still on. and That blows my mind. It's that, still there probably. Yeah, what the heck. That so reminded me, I'll just tell one little... Uh, I thought of a story that Mitchell told about one of our friends getting hooked. And then I figured that it'd be good to tell... If one person hears this and like knows what to do, if they ever get hooked... Um, like with a hook, then it'll, whatever, that'll be worth it. Um, and there's somebody on my Voyager trip that got hooked with a, (laughs) well, somebody was fishing, but so there's on hooks, there's, um, is it barb? Barb. Yep. So there's barbs, like the hook goes out, like in like the little curve and there's a little jut out of like more metal. And that's like the barb of the hook. And that makes it stick into the fish. Like make sure the fish doesn't come, um, like get off the hook as easily. But it also means that if you get hooked on your skin, 
or your clothes or anything, it won't come out as easily either because the barbs there to make sure it doesn't go, go like backwards back through wherever you hook them. Um, so there's two things that you can do. There's like the first one is the preemptive. So you can, if you, if you buy, um, lures with hooks on them that have barbs, you can take a pliers and just pinch the barbs down. So you kind of like debarb the hooks. So like if you do get hooked, then it'll just slide right out. It's not, you don't have that problem in the first place. But if you're fishing with hooks that have barbs on them, which is obviously the most like effective way, like to make sure you catch the fish. If you ever get hooked and it's not, gosh, this is tough. It depends how deep it is. Like if you want to just kind of pull it out, that would suck. But if it's like in there, then you, you need to, you need to push the hook all the way through your skin out to the other side, pinch the barb off and then bring it back out the other way, which sounds awful. But if you ever get hooked and like, you can't get it out, that's what you need to do. You need to push it through your skin, clamp the barb in some way with a rock or a players, hopefully if you have one, and then you can pull it all the way back through. I'd recommend if you are in any backcountry setting to always just fish with barbless hooks. To debarb your hooks. Otherwise, yeah. you're just going to, you never think that it's going to happen, but then all of a sudden it does to you or somebody. Yeah. And yeah, yeah there's been multiple time. times where you're in a canoe or a boat or something and you go to grab the fish and they all of a sudden do their little shake right before you grab it. Yep. Yeah, even the most experienced fishermen, like every once in a while, it's you get just unpredictable and you, yeah. yeah, I don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah, um, cool. Yeah, I think that that wraps it up pretty well. Yeah. Um, just want to thank everybody again for kind of taking time out of your day to listen to our podcast. Uh, we obviously have a ton of fun making these um, for you guys and girls, and hope that you find some value in them. Whether you're just kind of getting into this kind of stuff or you've been doing it for a while, um, we'll be posting. I don't think we've said this yet. We'll be posting new podcasts every Monday. Um, and one new how-to video every week. We're not sure if it's going to be on the same Monday or what, what day of the week we're going to kind of post that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, just kind of, um, we hope that you're getting some value. And if, um, if you guys want to reach out to us on so- social media, um, let us know what else you'd love to hear about or learn about, we'd uh, love to hear from you. So have a great rest of your day and God bless. Thanks for tuning into the Voyager Way podcast. Follow us on social media at the Voyager Way for more content from all our outdoor adventures and plenty of how-to videos to get you started on some adventures of your own.